notes. Our session is called Learning to Prophesy. And we've gone over, by way of review, we have talked about relationship with God. We've talked about uh, the Bible and relation to hearing the voice of God, the voice of the Spirit and the Scripture, how those two work together. And we've also talked about the ways in which God communicates. How many of you know seldom is God's voice an actual voice? You've heard me say this many times. God communicates in many different ways according to Scripture. In Scripture, we see that very clearly. And then I talked to you about discerning the voice of God, how it is that we go about discerning his voice among all other voices that we have all the time, every day. We're hearing voices, and I've defined a voice as an expressed will or desire of something or someone that's seeking a response from you. Not necessarily a voice in the same way that we would identify that from one another, but we have voices, we have noise, and we're seeking to filter that out so that we can hear the voice of God and God communicate to us. And then I opened up Acts chapter 2. We started talking about the prophetic church and that there are prophets, right? There were prophets, but there are prophets. There's a prophetic gift, and then there's a prophetic anointing for the community that we're a part of. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, that caused us to be people, a people, not just certain people or the anointed few, but we are now a people that can hear the voice of God. We are now a people that can hear the voice of God. And prophets in the New Testament, their job is to equip the people of God to hear the voice of God. Their job is no longer to be the mediator between God and the people. They're actually the mentor to bring the voice of God, the equipping of God's voice to people so we all understand. And a lot of what we're seeking to do here is just that. We're seeking to tell people, everyone that would come through these doors or listen to us or give us any kind of ear to what we're saying, that you, 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 not specially anointed people, but you, 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 who you are, your spouse, your kids, we can hear God and we can, we can follow what God is telling us to do. We can hear God personally. We can hear God prophetically. So we talked about becoming a prophetic community, and that was session four. And session five was last week, and I started to give you kind of practicals on what it looks like to prophesy. And I want to continue that. And growing in the prophetic was last week. Today I want to say, uh, I want to say some specific things about what it is to learn to prophesy. That's why I'm calling it learning um, to prophesy. In Romans chapter 12, verse 5, this is a passage that we've studied before. It's where Paul's talking to the Roman church, and he's describing to them in the context of trying to bring them to a place of unity what the gifts of the Spirit are for. And he says this, and he'll, in a summation, he'll talk about prophecy Briefly, it says in verse 5, Romans 12, So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. I want to bring this up for a reason, because although he's talking about motivational gifts, which not everybody has the motivational gift of prophecy, but we all have the anointing to prophesy. We can all hear God and for other people and say what he's saying. We all can according to 1 Corinthians 12. I've gone over that before if you haven't been with us. But he says something very interesting here when he exhorts them. If the gift is prophecy, let him prophesy in proportion to his faith. And what we know about that is, is he's saying if you have something, then you have to exercise it. If we're going to learn to prophesy, you can't learn to do something that you don't do. I know this is really simple. You guys are all looking like there's something explosive about to happen. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like saying, hey, you all have bodies. Go to the gym and work them out. We all know we're supposed to exercise. 
but we don't all go to the gym and work out. We can. We have bodies we're supposed to exercise. He's saying if it's the gift, then you've got to exercise the gift. You have to employ the gift. I've told people for as long as I've been doing this that you can't learn to prophesy without prophesying. You can't unless you're going to pray for people and share with them what you believe, not even what you know, but what you believe God is telling you. Unless you do that, you'll never learn about this. You, you can't. You get to a stage where you just you hit a ceiling and you realize it's not knowledge anymore, it's actually action. And it, it really is the same when it comes to evangelism or it's the same with other gifts. You can't learn about something unless you're willing to exercise it. So how do I learn about evangelism? You can read all of the books, you can teach the class, but it doesn't mean you know anything about evangelism until you actually start sharing the gospel with people. And see, for far too long, we've listened to what I would call theoreticians. A theoretician is somebody who studied, who seems to know everything about everything, and they'll tell you all the right answers, but lo and behold, we're actually listening to a person that has never done it. I mean, it is possible in the Western world, and I just think this is funny. It's possible to go to a business school and learn how to start a business from somebody who has never started a business. I remember when I started community college, and I wanted to be an author. And one of the, uh, one of the, I just, one of the staples in my mind was, am I learning from somebody who has ever been an author? There are a lot of English teachers who are great people but they're teaching people how to write, which may be just papers and whatnot. But if you want to be an author, one of the greatest things you can do is go learn from somebody that's actually written a book. Because it's not just putting words on a page. There's a process that goes behind putting a book together. I mean, it's, it's excruciatingly painful. And you want to hear from somebody that's done that. It doesn't negate the fact that somebody might know what they're talking about in teaching you to write. I'm just saying if your goal is not just to write, but to write a book... There's more than just putting words on a page. I'm saying we're living in a world where we listen to theoreticians, and for some reason in the church, that's what we've become a lot of times, is we're theoreticians, we're not practitioners. We've got to move from the theory to the practice. So you can't learn to prophesy until that's part of your heart. I want to install that into your heart at the beginning of our class tonight. I've said it many times and in different ways, but I want to keep going over it. He tells them to prophesy according to the proportion or the measure of the faith that they have. And I want to say that what that means is it's all about faith. I believe God's given me something, therefore I'm going to step into it, I'm going to act on it. And as we do that, to the measure that we've been given, we maximize that measure. You, as much as you can, as much as it is in you to do. People say, I don't know if I can do that. Well, do what you can do. And when you do what you can do, God will do what? He'll expand your capacity. The measure that you have, if you don't maximize what you have, maybe all you can do is, is say, well, I think God might be, I'm not really sure, I just, this might not even be a word, I don't know, I mean, what's your name again? I mean, maybe you just, it looks pitiful and it sounds that way, but if you just do it, if you just step out a little bit, it starts to get easier, it starts to get easier, and then God starts to, he, he expands your capacity. I don't want to be a theoretician, okay, and I don't think I'm a good enough preacher to have theories that people want to listen to. I think one of the reasons, one of the only reasons why people use a certain people, like maybe like me, in my opinion, is not because they're good talkers, it's because they actually do something. I remember the Lord told me that one time. I'm not using you, Ben, because you're a smart guy, which, thanks God. <laughs> I mean, the disciples weren't the smartest of the smart. Come on, let's just get down to it. 
matter of fact, when you look in 1 Corinthians, you ever read the first couple chapters of 1 Corinthians? Paul writes a letter to these guys, and I just think it's kind of funny. You ever stop and read the Bible and go, that's kind of funny if I were on the other end of that, which kind of we are. But Paul writes a letter to the Corinthians who are messing up all over the place, and he says to them, like, not many of you were noble. Not many of you were wise. But God chose to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Now, we preach that, and that preaches real good, especially on television. That preaches real good. But if you're on the other end of that reading it going like, not many of us were noble. Gathering your kids around. <laughs> Come over here, Judah. Not many of us are wise. Not sure what Paul meant by that. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Not many of us have the world's goods. Is he saying I'm poor? Is that what Paul's saying? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. That's what he's saying. He's saying God chose to use the foolish things. And so when we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, which, by the way, knowledge can do to you. Knowledge can make you think that you're something that you're not. Knowledge can make us think that we're somewhere that we're not. And we become theoreticians and we carve this rut and we talk about what we know and we don't really know anything. And what we know keeps us from what we need to know. I don't think I can say that again. That was, that was, that was pretty decent. But the analogy here that Paul is giving is if you have it, you have to exercise it. And exercise it to the full maximum, the capacity that God's given to you. Go as far as you can and let God expand it. Now, that's my, that's my job. You want to learn how to prophesy? I'm going to push you. If you won't let me push you, I can't help you. Right? It's kind of like going to see a personal trainer. If you go to that personal trainer and you listen to what they say, and, oh, I just can't do it. For whatever is in our mind that tells us we can't do it, oh, I just can't do it. You got to let them push you. You got to let them get you to that next level. Right? That's why we submit ourselves to that person because we can't do it on our own. And so that's really the wonderful thing about the body of Christ is that we can help each other get to the next level. It's powerful. So I want to give you a little bit about preparation for prophesying here. As you look, very, very practical stuff. Now that we know a little bit more about how prophecy works, I want to tell you kind of how you prepare yourself. Now this works both in the church but also in the world. Because my goal isn't to teach you how to do something just in the church. This needs to leave the building. That's my prayer like every week. I pray that what we do here leaves the building. It can't stay in these four walls. That's not the definition of the church, what just happens here. That's not the definition of God's power and anointing that's just supposed to happen in these four walls. I mean, I love how, you know, we read stories, but we fail to remember that in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the upper room, seamlessly within like 10 verses, they were in a room, and then they're outside, and everybody can hear them. You don't even see where the transition happens. It just happens. So they're in a room, they're praying, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and then before you know it, they're outside, and all of these people who speak 13 different dialects, that's why they were speaking in tongues and people were hearing in their own dialect, 13 different dialects heard them speaking in tongues. Supernatural stuff was happening to the point where they thought they were drunk. They were out in the open. This has got to get out in the open. What we have is so powerful, we can't keep it to ourselves. It is uncontainable. What God wants to do in and through us, it is uncontainable. You have to be convinced of that. So it's important that we prepare ourselves, not just for what we're doing here, but it's got to leave the building. And, and, and in my experience, if 
Christianity or what we're learning about in following Jesus and exercising the gifts of the Spirit and sharing the gospel, if that kind of stuff never leaves the building, Christianity gets pretty boring. I mean, there's no wonder why there's so many people that just struggle with going to church, and I'm not shaming any of us if that's the case. It's because it doesn't leave the building, and so what we do is we look forward to what happens here, and that's really all we have. And when we go out there, we're not taking it with us, because if we did, we'd want to come back here and celebrate what God was doing out there in here. And so it's vital. Christianity becomes boring because it was never meant to be localized to a building and a place. So we're talking about preparing ourselves to be a prophetic people, which is what the anointing of God is for. And the more you exercise what God has given you, the more you'll see happen. It's that simple. And the first point I want to mention is prayerfully observe people around you. I might even be giving you spiritual social skills tonight. So just yield to this. It might just be about giving social skills You know, when we become Christians, I don't know what happens. We get into the bubble and we become socially inept. We develop our own, come on now. We develop our own language. And I'm honoring the body of Christ. It's happened to me just as much as anybody else. But we get awkward around people that don't talk like us, walk like us, act like us. And I'm not saying we should be comfortable in the shoes of what we once were. I'm just saying we've got to somehow be comfortable around people that don't have what we have because we want them to have what we have. Because what he is is available to everyone else around us. And so we've got to learn how to just prayerfully observe people around us. Not for the sake of judging and criticizing and people watching and making fun and going, man, I can't, wear, I can't believe he's wearing that. Did you see her hair? Oh my gosh. We've got to be prayerfully observing people. If you're a people watcher, I'm, I'm encouraging you to turn that into a prayerful observation of what's going on with people. God will use you. He's waiting to use us. God wants to use us more than we want him to use us. God wants to speak to us more than we want him to speak to us. It's so powerful. And so we've got to learn how to prayerfully observe people around us. As we live life, we have to be aware of our environment. I know it's simple, but it's so profound. What is God doing in the people around us? What is God doing to the people in your workplace? What is God doing when you're at the store and you look at somebody and they don't look at you? I mean, it's amazing we get oversensitive on all these issues, and I'm not trying to bring them up like politically or, or even suggest that I understand this stuff, but we get so sensitive to the culture about racism and this, that, and the other, and we automatically filter things through these lenses that culture or the world will try to give to us instead of just saying, God, what are you doing with this person? See, because I'm unoffendable, so I'm just observing prayerfully what you're doing with this person. They may not like me because of how I look or what I represent or any of that, but listen, God, what are you doing with this person? Man, God, this waiter's not very nice. I wonder if they're having a bad night tonight. Oh, man. And then God will drop a prophetic word into your heart for that person in a situation where they really need to hear from him because we're not so worried about how our dinner shows up as much as we are about how their heart is. That's Christianity 101, but for whatever reason, it doesn't sink into our lives. Trust me, I go to the restaurant with people, and I'm, I get uncomfortable. But people get all upset. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe she took that to me like this. Like, you, you've probably done it a few times. <laughs> I mean, it's like somebody cuts you off and you raise your tall finger. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. We can't be just concerned about getting from point A to point B. If that's our concern, we won't see anything happen. We've got to be available. We've got to be prayerfully observing people's lives. 
I mean, that's where we move from being the wounded, right, the wounded to the warrior. We're looking for what God is doing instead of waiting for somebody to offend us. I mean, that's just a terrible way to live anyways. I mean, here's the the thing. You're going to get offended a lot, probably by, like, family members, too, people that are close to you. Man, can I just tell you, get used to it? Like, I mean, that's just, that's just going to happen. But if you're unoffendable, God can use you powerfully. Because you're looking at what God is doing. You're looking through the lens of what the Lord would say to you. I, I just think one of the questions that we ask the Lord when we're standing next to people is, what are you doing in this person? What are your thoughts about the person that's right in front of me, Lord? Prayerfully observe people around you. Second is engage the people around you. We, we've got to do more than just observe prayerfully and just pray and leave. But as we are hearing from the Lord or as we're asking from God to, or asking God to speak to us, uh, it may seem very natural, but we've got to learn to engage people. Maybe you're not good at this. Maybe you would consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert and not an extrovert. Well, you can grow. Did you know that you can actually get out of your shell? You can get out of your bubble? Did you know you can reinvent yourself? I mean, I'm not interested in allowing any psychological profile to tell me what exactly I am and that I can't move from beyond from where I am. I mean, I appreciate psychology for what it is, but I'm not letting it categorize me so that I can't move forward in the things of God. That's what it means to have a biblical worldview. That's what it means. A biblical worldview is not how I see another nation. A biblical worldview is that I see through the filter of Scripture. So there are times where psychology can size me up with where I'm at, and it might be accurate, but it's not accurate about my transformation. I'm a man of the Spirit. I believe in a resurrected man. I believe the Holy Spirit lives in me. I believe his power is in me. That pretty much trumps a lot of stuff that psychology is going to tell me along the way. Not fully, but some of it. So you have to be available to more than just what you're told. And when we engage people, one of the things about becoming not necessarily an extrovert, but just becoming an engaging person, is talk to people. Look people in the eyes. Say, how are you doing today? Sorry to hear that. Get interested in people that are in your life, made in the image of God. Get interested in people. One really simple thing that we've got to do with everybody is learn their names. God knows the name of every person on the planet. And if we want to be like him, we've got to learn people's names. I, my friend, am not always good at it. But we've got to learn people's names. And when you go to Starbucks, isn't it helpful that they got, their, they got that name tag right there? Hey, hey, what's up, John? How you doing, John? John, good to see you, John. All right, John. Say it a couple times and it get into your head. It's awesome. Engage people. Ask people questions. You know, just notice things about people. Encourage people. Get, get into a habit of encouraging people. Saying thank you. Letting people know, look them in the eyes. Don't, so don't just thank you and walk off. If we, if we can learn to engage people better, honestly, that one thing alone will cause us to be available and prepared to share prophetically when God drops stuff into our heart. Because we're looking for it prayerfully. We're engaging people. It sets us up with the right context to give people what God's given to us. And then the third is share what you have. Now, there's a couple ways to do that. Let's just say you're in line, you're somewhere out and about, you're at Walmart. God help us, we're at Walmart. Lots of opportunities. Lots of opportunities. You're in Walmart, you're standing next to somebody, and you're just asking the Lord. You're like, God, would you give me something to give to this person? And the Lord will do it. It might be a little thing, it might be a small thing, but he'll give you something. Maybe he said, you know, something's going on with this person's sister. 
and you're like, man, I don't want to walk up to that person and be like, hey, God just told me to tell you something's going on with your sister. I mean, that would be a very bad way to do that. I've been with people that do that. I've got grace for the growing, okay? But it's just, it, you, you set up the whole thing up awkward, and they walk away. They're like, who is that nut? I'm like, and of course I say, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They're Buddhist. I have no idea who they are. <laughs> it's a it's just bad joke. Sorry. Uh, but there's a couple different ways we can do this. One is the direct approach, and I don't recommend it if you're not, if you haven't done this very long. But the other one is indirect. You ask people questions. You have this word in your heart about somebody's sister. You just say, hey, I know this is a strange question, and I don't know you, but is there something going, do you have a sister? And they go, no, I don't. You go, I didn't think you did. <laughs> you just kind of cut it off there. Because <laughs> that that's not an opportunity to start fishing. I mean, does somebody in your family have a sister? I mean, just don't even do that, okay? That is just embarrassing. I've watched people when they're growing prophetically and they start going down. I call it fishing. They start fishing. I mean, somebody in your family has a sister. It's like, no, nobody in our family has a sister. Well, somebody in, in this region has a sister right now. On live stream, one of you has a sister that God's doing something with. You know, just let it die where it dies, okay? It's embarrassing. Save us the time. Uh, but indirect approach will really help you where you're just like, hey, do you have a sister? And they're like, no, uh, I don't. Or there are times where, yeah, I do. Why would, you, why would you ask that? You know, it's a funny thing. And as you share just the little that you have, it's amazing how the Lord will drop more into your heart just by engaging them with what you have. That's how it works for me all the time. I have very little in my heart, but when I step out to engage people with just like, hey, do you have a sister? And they're like, yeah, I do. Why would you ask that? And all of a sudden, this flood of thoughts, not even like open vision or anything, just this thought starts opening up in my mind because it's faith that God begins to interact with. God begins to respond to. It's amazing. Isn't that awesome? You're like, man, that just sounds so uncomfortable. So here's the alternative. People, I've watched them. They go, Ben, that's so easy for you. And I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not. I've watched people wait for God to give them like this massive, amazing thing. And you know what ends up happening? Nothing. Because you know what we do? We wait. You know how long you're going to wait? Until you're six feet in the grave. That's how long you're going to wait. I mean, you're not going to get, it just, I don't, in my experience, that's not the way that it works. I wish I could tell you, there, there might be moments for you, there might be moments for me where God will give us this incredible, fully complete entree of a word to give to somebody. Uh, amazing. I, I, I hope he gives that to you. Most of the time with me, he gives me just like a little piece. And it's almost like, will you take this little piece and will you step out and trust me that I'll help you to minister to this person that's in need. It starts with that mindset where I know that everybody needs Jesus. I know that everybody needs to be encouraged. And I know that God is omniscient, which means God knows the past, present, future about every person on the planet at the same time. I believe that and I trust him so that whenever it is that I'm encountering or engaging somebody, I believe that God will give me something for that person if I step out. God never disappoints. He never puts me to shame. Even when it's seemingly like I'm putting him on the line, I think God wants us to get a little more more uncomfortable and he'll work with us on that even when we look a little stupid and we mess up and we make mistakes that's totally fine 
That's just totally fine. I mean, we want the package. We want it to be nice and pretty, and, and it all works out and everything. I've, I have taken risks, and I have stepped out and shared things with people, and they look me bluntly right in the face, and they go, you are absolutely wrong. And I just go, I'm so sorry. And then I have had spouses. I have had friends walk up to me like 10, hey, man, what's going on? 10, 15 minutes later, and they've said, you nailed them. I can't believe you said that. That was amazing. We were just in the car talking about the very thing that you said, and then you walked up to that, my friend, and you said that. I can't believe you said that. That was amazing. But that person looked me in the face and said I was crazy. I've had, I have, have had people do that publicly. But here's the point, if you're willing, if you want God to use you, you've got to just be willing to step out. That's all it is. That's what moves us from the theoretician to the practitioner, all right? And those are the people that we want to listen to. So there's indirect and then the direct pro approach where I've walked up to people and I said, hey, I just, I'm a Christian and the Lord sometimes speaks to me about people's lives. I just had this picture in my mind, I believe is the Lord, and I want to share it with you. Is that okay? And they're like, sure. Nine times out of, nine and a half times out of ten, people say yes, amen. I, I seldom get, I get rejected on the back end, not usually on the front end. People are more open than we think they are. And if you have that mindset that people aren't open, it will actually stop you from ministering to people. I want you tonight to change your mindset. People are open. People need Jesus. People want Jesus. They just don't see him. What if it's our job to show Jesus to people in truth, love, and power, and as we do that, they become more open than we could ever imagine. Right? It's a mindset. That's my mindset. I believe that, therefore, I act accordingly. You believe according to your thinking. Right? It's the way it works. Now, those are just three things in preparation for prophesying. Let me give you some principles for prophesying, okay? You ready for this? I'm going to do it anyways. Here we go. Number one is pray the word over the person, before, during, or after. Now, I've, I've shared this with you before, but like when you're in a situation, let's just use the context of the church. If you've been in this class, we've broken up into groups, and we'll, we'll pick somebody that we'll be praying for. And as we're praying for that person, typically when we're praying for that person, God will put something in our heart, in our mind, communicate to us somehow, or he'll just communicate to us as we pray over them. So if you get nothing, then just pray over them. And I've showed you that before where words just start to come out of your mouth. And that those prayers are not just coming out of thin air. Those prayers are prophetically coming from the Lord most, most of the time. It could just be something that we really want for that person. And we know scripturally that's true. But a lot of times the Lord uses that. It's called prophetic prayer. It's, it's, it's what we all do even if we don't know it. And so we want to pray over the person beforehand, but a lot of times if the Lord gives us a word and we share it with them, we want to make sure that we also get an opportunity to, can I pray this word over you? It's so important as we prophesy that we pray over people. And I'm going to give you other principles, but I love to prophesy a word and then I just begin to pray. Lord, I pray that you would make this, uh, that you would cause whoever it is to be able to walk out what you're saying to them, give them clarity about what it is that you're doing. And I just pray that word over that person because I'm asking God, right? I'm asking God to do what we're saying he's doing. It's so important. So praying the word over people, I do that whether it's before, during, or, or after. Number two is speak the word you have as clearly as possible. Now I have a really funny verse that I have on your notes. And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 8. Paul said, for if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? 
right? If nobody understands that that noise is a bugle, they're not going to get they're not going to get armed and go out to battle. It's got to be clear. He's using this in the context of talking about speaking in tongues. Right? He's saying if people don't understand what you're saying when they come in and they hear you speaking in tongues, how can they say amen to your prayer? And he's talking about an open type gathering. He's not talking about a closed prayer meeting. He's saying an open type gathering where people who don't speak in tongues or don't know the Lord, they come in and they see everybody speaking in tongues, they're going to think you're crazy. And so you want to have an interpretation. What's funny about that is I think the same is true for the prophetic, is that there are times where people give prophetic words and I have no idea what they mean. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but there are people that, at times where they prophesy and it could, you might as well be speaking in tongues as far as I'm concerned. I have no idea what it is that you're talking about. I, I tell a story about a guy, this is when we first started our Hearing God meetings like way back in the day. And uh, a, a friend of mine, a guy I didn't know back then, there was a lady, and she ministers kind of in the mystical. She likes to say things that are like veiled and don't make sense. I think she just enjoys it. But anyhow, that's her training, and I love to help people like that make sense. That's my, one of the things I like to do. If you don't make sense to people, by the way, it's better to make sense so that they can actually receive the prophetic word. There's nothing spiritual about ambiguity. The whole point of a prophetic word is to bring us out of ignorance. Is this smacking anybody? I mean, if you've been around, the, if you haven't been around the prophetic, you may not understand fully what I'm saying, but appreciate it at best, okay? If people are speaking prophetically and the whole point is for you to hear God speak to you and you can't understand, it's like a riddle or a dark saying, I don't know why people flock to that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't really feel like that's prophetic. I just feel like it's odd. Like, you know, there's a... Uh, I like to say there are people that are awed by, like, the presence and the power of God. Like, wow, I'm just really awed by him. And then there are people that are just awed. Just, you know. Get that on the way home. But I like odd people, right? There's good, weird, and bad weird. So I'm okay with you. But I remember this guy, he was in our meeting, and he wasn't used to any of this. He had no experience with the prophetic. He flat told me to my face that speaking in tongues was stupid. All of that really amazing conversation and so I'm teaching on hearing the voice of God and this lady who loves to speak like that she was praying over him and he and she said I see this basket of fruit and she starts describing like peaches and bananas this is a big rough tough guy she's like I see this basket of fruit these beautiful peaches and like the colors and the vibrancy of the banana and the peaches and the oranges and the mangoes and the more she's talking the more he's like I, I'm, I'm, are you calling me a fruit? <laughs> I was over there and I heard him say that. That's literally what happened. I'm, it's, a, it's, it's a wonder to me that he came back. I have no idea how that happened. That was like one of his first exposures to the prophetic and hearing the voice of God in our meetings. I didn't think he was coming back. Matter of fact, there have been so many times people come to our meetings and I don't think they're coming back at all. I'm like, that person is not coming back. Lord help them, you know, just may they follow Jesus. This is probably weird to them. But it wasn't like me, right? My point is, is that like we've got to learn to speak clearly as we can. Like there's nothing spiritual about ambiguity. Whoa. Jesus, like Jesus came from heaven to earth to make God knowable. And when it comes to like the prophetic, I understand that there are some very 
um, hard to understand things in Scripture when you look at Daniel and you look at Isaiah and there's some really strange things in there. I get that. Like, but you don't want to like, compare yourself to the dark sayings and the visions of the night that Daniel had. That's not what we're talking about. If you're a prophet to the nations, maybe God will speak to you like that. Maybe. But I get people that I think feel like they're in Isaiah and they've got like no platform, no authority. They've never said a word in church that's ever come to pass, but they think they're like Isaiah the prophet. And this is just scary that it even happens, but somebody's got to just say, that's an international prophet that God used and that person got cut in half. Don't want to compare yourself to that person. I'm not saying God won't use you like that. We're all on an equal playing field when it comes to God using us. That's not what I mean, but we don't want to automatically take like Isaiah the prophet as our example and think that the obscurity in his life is something that we want to model after, okay? What we want to look at is like where Jesus sent the disciples into the city and said, hey, you're going to go into the city and then you're going to find a cult that's tied to a certain post. Tell the owners of that cult that the master has use of it and then bring it back to me. I prefer that. Sounds pretty clear, don't you think? Jesus wasn't like, I had a vision in the night, and there was a triple-headed dragon, and the end of the world was coming. I'm not, listen, that stuff happens, but like it shouldn't be the normal model for what we're talking about. You, you follow me? People come to me with those kinds of dreams all the time, and they want to get up front, and they want to prophesy that stuff, and I go, no. No. I don't even know what you're saying. Everybody else is going to be more confused. And what kind of shepherd am I if I give you a microphone to work through and process through whatever that might be? I don't even know if that's God. It might be, but I'm not, you know, understand? I mean, that's crazy. Like, I saw an earthquake. How many people are prophesying? I got a video from somebody today, and they were, like, just harping on this stuff about what the presidential election. I was around. I was around when everybody said Sarah Palin was going to be the president. You know, I mean, who are these people? You know, all it does is it makes it harder for a guy like me who's actually teaching people to benefit the body prophetically to do my job. I don't know who you are, okay? And I don't know if you're right, but I don't listen to every Tom, Harry, Sally that comes on some kind of prophetic list that says they're a prophet. And quite frankly, God holds me responsible to what happens in this house and in this region, not necessarily to what's on Elijah list or wherever. I'm not, I don't follow that stuff. I don't even know those people. I'm not bashing it. Just hear what I'm saying. Like, it, it, oh man. If you don't embrace what's in front of you, you will probably pursue what's not for you. I get that into your heart. I, I know it sounds good, but let me break it down. If you don't embrace the pastoral voices, the prophetic voices, the voices that God has established in your life, if you're not even listening to them, don't go, don't go listening to somebody else's podcast. It's not even a part of your community. Did you hear what so-and-so said? No. No, I don't, I've never had coffee with them. I don't, I don't know them. I don't have a way to weigh the words that they're giving. I, I, I have no idea, but I'll tell you what, they're not speaking into my community. So if I'm not even willing to listen to the authority that God has established in his church that I'm a part of, why in the world am I looking for all these things that everybody else is saying? I don't think that's a healthy practice. Can you imagine in the New Testament when like there were people that were speaking in Ephesus and they were like, hey, did you hear about what the prophets are saying in Thessalonica? Did you hear what they were saying? I, I, got, the, I got the scroll, you know, the papyri paper. It just got passed to us, and we were reading it in our small group. There's like people in this community that are speaking things 
that we're not paying attention to. And so what ends up happening when we don't embrace the voices that God has established in our life and we're not, we're not used to that protocol and how that works and how to test words and weigh words and listen to the Lord as a community, we start reading all this other stuff and did you hear about this person and that? Just what about the people right here? What about what God is saying to us as a community? The best thing that we can ask is, is what is God saying to, I mean, we're not even paying attention to the leadership. They go away fast and praise. I don't even know. I think it's, um, oh man, I, I opened up a can, didn't I? I've talked about covenant community before, but it's so vital. There's such a covering from God for us when we really yield ourselves to covenant community. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. So, for example, like, um, when we call our church, we call for like five years now, we've called a 21-day prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. You want to encounter the Lord? The leaders of the church have called you to fast and pray. If you walk out of the church and you don't even pay attention to the fact that your leaders have sought God and they bring to the church, we are called to fast and pray. If you're not even interested in what they're telling you, that's a problem. I'm not saying they should control every person, but we're a part of a community. And if we just shrug off the voices that God, that's not even church. You, you, anybody understand what I'm saying? So it's like I watch people forsake the clear for the ambiguous. And then people ask me, like, Ben, what do you think about this word so-and-so says? I say, I don't think about it. I don't even want to spend any time praying about it because I don't know them and I don't even understand what they're saying. I love clarity and I believe that if we would hold ourselves to accountability, God will give us clearer and clearer words. I love that about the Lord. I'm not seeking ambiguity. I am seeking clarity. I want to prophesy to people. I want to look them in the eyes and I want to say something that I believe God is saying that will help them in their life. That is the ministry of the prophetic. Right? Not just to sound weird. I mean, I'm, I'm charismatic. I'm Pentecostal. But I don't think that means that we don't make sense. You don't have to say that's who you are, but that's, I just, anyways, I, Okay. Speak the word you have as clearly as possible. We want words to penetrate. We want words to carry power with little mixture. And I don't want to prophesy where it sounds like I'm speaking in tongues, okay? And I need an interpretation for the thing that's supposed to be clear. Number three, share scriptures along with your prophetic word, right? We believe that the word is eternal. Our words are part. We know in part, we see in part, we prophesy in part. The word of God is eternal. Whenever you're touching on something prophetically, you can remind people of scriptures. That's why, especially when you're learning, have your Bible out with you if you're in church where you can prophesy words from the Lord and you can remind somebody of a verse. I love scripture memorization, not for me personally, but for ministering to other people because it's the promises of God I get to minister to people. It reminds me of scriptures, and then I tell them, oh, this proverb says this, oh, the scripture says that. And you're starting to help anchor people in the word and not just your word. It's very, it's vital, it's important. You watch how people will latch on to that. It's so powerful. And I would say to you that all prophetic words, with little exception, have a connection to Scripture, um, except for directional words, which give very uh, specific nature to what you're called to do or where you're called to go. And that's more of a rare form of prophecy. It's not for everybody. Now, number uh, four, I think, is what I'm on. Try not to repeat yourself if possible. We practice the prophetic ministry here. And sometimes people will repeat themselves over and over again. 
Don't do that. When you're learning to prophesy, just share it. And if you're beginning, just say, does that make sense to you? I believe this could be from the Lord. Does that make sense to you? We just don't have to make anything happen. We don't have to repeat it. I've watched people for years, like, repeat themselves. The Lord is saying dot, 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 dot. And then he's also saying dot, 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 dot. And they just said the same thing again. And he's saying dot, dot, dot. And it's almost like you don't believe. You're reading their face, and you don't believe that they understand what you're saying. And so you try another vantage point, and you say it again, and you say it again. Just share the word as clearly as you can and ask them if they understand what you've said. Okay, it's just so important. It's try not to repeat yourself over and over again. By the way, I had somebody give me that advice years ago because I would share publicly. I would pick people out of the crowd, and we started doing that even on Sundays. And I had a pastor come up to me and said, Ben, <laughs> this was his indirect way in trying to help me. He said, Ben, people understand what you're saying. I said, thank you. That, 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 that's awesome. What do you mean by that? I mean, I, I just, it was, you know how somebody gives you an encouragement that actually doesn't make sense because you have a question. To, uh, could, you, could you clarify what you mean by that? I'm, I'm just wondering. And you ask them the question, what they mean by that, and what they really meant to say was you repeat yourself a lot, and it makes it, makes it seem like you don't think people get what you're saying, and so you've got to kind of keep saying it. So be aware of that. Maybe, th again, this, these principles aren't for everybody, but if you're going to grow in this, some of this stuff will be very helpful. And by the way, when we repeat ourselves, I feel, I feel like we lose the power and the clarity of the word that we're giving to somebody. I just, it just all of a sudden, it, it, okay. The num number five, separate the prophetic word from counsel and suggestions. This is what I'm saying. Don't be teachy. Give a word. Don't, they, it, it, this is what people will do. They'll say, this is what I believe the Lord is saying. Uh, and I remember back in 1985 when God told that to me. And I remember, and I've walked through the same thing before. You know what you're doing? You are muddying the waters. It's not about you. <laughs> okay, just remember that. Just give the word, man. <laughs> well, man, give the word. People will do that too. They'll be like, and that just reminds me of so-and-so. And they'll start to give this anecdote or this story. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I just want to, like, poke my eyes out. <laughs> Prophetically. And if you're growing in this and you make those mistakes, it's totally fine. This is a place of grace, but I'm just making fun of it so that I can exaggerate it a bit and bring it out. It, it, this is the stuff that happens all the time. And I watch people do it. We need to separate the prophetic word from counsel. I'm not saying that you can't give somebody some counsel or a suggestion. Just make sure that there's a separation between the word and the counsel that you're trying to give. Don't muddy the water so they can't even remember the word. One of the worst things is when you're giving somebody a word from the Lord, think about it for a minute. I believe God might be saying this to you, and then you muddy the waters to the point where when they walk out of the doors, they can't remember what the word was. That's just not something I want to happen, right? I want them to remember, God says he's going to give you strength, and he's putting a sword in your hand so that you'll be able to separate the things in your life that are not of him from the things that he is calling you to. That word right there is power. I want somebody to remember that. And then a good thought or idea might be you just separate the two. Don't muddy the waters, okay? You say, Ben, how do I learn to do that? A lot of prophesying. There's no way out of doing this a lot. So how many times do I have to prophesy to get to really understand how this works? At least a thousand. And I mean that. 
All right, next one. Share the prophetic word with humility. We are not God. We know in part, according to 1 Corinthians 13. We see in part and we prophesy in part. We are not God. And I'm not saying share with insecurity. I'm saying with humility. When we share a word with somebody, we don't say, God told me to tell you. Unless we're an established prophet, it is not something that we do. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, God established prophets as his voice. In the Old Testament, we call that the mouthpiece of God. They were the mouthpiece of God. They were a mediator between God and the people. In the New Covenant, we all can know God. We all can be taught by the Holy Spirit. We all have the Spirit of God bearing witness in our spirit. He lives inside of us. We all can hear him for ourselves. And so it doesn't mean prophets don't have a place, but their place is to mentor us, not be a mediator for us. Moses walked up the mountain by himself. We can all walk up the mountain together now. That's, that's the powerful part of the new covenant, which we talked about. But what's important, that as we share with, with humility, that in the New Testament, where it says we know in part, we prophesy in part, we've got to remember that unless we're an established prophet, we've got to share this is what I sense could be from the Lord. We've got to use that kind of language. So often I see people that, you know, they're not a recognized prophet, they haven't been sharing these kinds of words for that long, and they are so quick to say, God told me to tell you. Don't do that. You don't have to do that. In the New Testament, where you see that, people will say, well, what about Agabus? Agabus was a, was a clearly established prophet. He was a clearly established prophet. They knew who he was. Agabus the prophet came down and did, okay, we're not that. And unless you are that, and I would say you're an established prophet if you're established in a local church where you have accountability to the words that you say. Uh, you know, listen, I don't listen to anybody that tells me they're a prophet and they don't have accountability. I call them parking lot prophets. <laughs> where they chase everybody down in the parking lot because they don't have a microphone. <laughs> this has got to cost us something. This has to cost us something. It can't just be like, I'm not talking about being frivolous. That's why we're doing this in here. I, I'm not just doing like a webcast, you know, from the secret vault in my bedroom. <laughs> where you can learn the prophetic principles of the galaxy that nobody else knows but me. I've heard people do that kind of stuff. From the vault. The secret sanctum. People do that stuff, and there are thousands that flock to it because they're looking for that, the, the weirdness. No, we want accountability. We are about seeing Jesus famous in the world. We are about seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth. Prophecy is a gift that God has given us to strengthen the church and to reach the lost. It's not just to have good meetings. Are you with me? And so it's got to be more than just these off-brand things or these offshoot things that people do. And, and again, if you're not familiar with some of the stuff I'm saying, you're better off. So we've got to share the prophetic word with humility. In the Old Testament, they would say, thus saith the Lord. The reason that they would say, thus saith the Lord, is because there were several gods that prophets were speaking for. Thus saith Ashtoreth. Thus saith Molech. Right? Thus saith Baal or Baal. However, they say it differently. Baal or Baal. There were prophets of Baal. There were prophets of other gods. So when somebody says, this is what Yahweh is saying, they weren't 
giving like a protocol for the way to give prophetic words in church in the new covenant. They were saying, I'm speaking for Yahweh in the midst of all these other gods. I am speaking for the Lord. So in the new covenant, when people, well-meaning people say, you know, yea unto you, thus saith the Lord God. You know, when they do that, they're actually looking at the old covenant. Even in the new covenant, Agabus says, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. But he was an established prophet. So what I'm encouraging us to do is grow in hearing the voice of God, grow in prophesying. But we do that as people who do it with humility. Hey, I believe God might be saying this to you right now. We want them to test it. We don't want them to take our word. That's scary. So many people, it's like, I don't care what bishop or pastor so-and-so said. They're not God. We've got to listen to the Lord. They're giving words that are encouraging, comforting, and exhorting us. And we love that ministry just like we love the ministry of teaching and all the other ministries that the Holy Spirit gives to us and gifts to us for the body. We love all those ministries. But again, we've got to be people of the word and we've got to be people that go to God in prayer because we can. Right? Are you with me? This is amazing. And so I always tell people when I start seeing people go down the road of God told me too much, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't have to do that. You don't have to put some sauce on it. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to put an extra punch in it to make sure that people know it's God. You don't have to do that. You know, my experience tells me if it's God, people know it. Something happens when you share a word with somebody, they go, oh, man, and it doesn't leave you. Even if you don't like it, it'll kind of irritate you a little bit. Like, oh, man. I remember, I remember a guy walked up to me and gave me a prophetic word one time, and I, I did everything I could in my mind to say that guy was wrong. And that thing just haunted me for weeks. And finally, I yielded because I knew it was the Lord. And the package that it came in was not the awesome package. The person was not the kind of person that should be prophesying over anybody just because of the life that he, that he lives. But the Lord chose for me to give it to, through this package so that I would humble myself to the Lord. Right? So he'll do that to you sometimes. It's not always fun, but he'll do it. Okay, uh, no, I don't know where I'm at. G, take appropriate risk when, when you share prophetic words. Faith is risk. You can expect to get shot down. You can expect to miss it. We know in part, we prophesy in part. Sometimes we misinterpret. Sometimes we think something. I've even prophesied. I know this sounds strange, but I'm going to say it because it just happens. Sometimes I'm prophesying over somebody, and I'm picking up like a word for the person next to them. I know it sounds like a cop-out, but it's, it's happened to me enough times to mention it, and I'll start sharing something over them, and then I look at their, their face, and they're like, oh my gosh, that is so me. And I'm like, Lord, am I just, am I just that messed up? I mean, is that, is that just what, <laughs> you know, and that stuff happens. And once again, like if you're perfectionistic and you have that kind of old school mentality, like I was taught that when I first became a Christian, it's like you got to, you, if you speak in the name of the Lord and you're not 100% right, you know, it's not God. And I'm like, well, I mean, duh. I mean. <laughs> but, like, there's grace for growing. If you don't have grace to grow into this, I mean, nobody starts out at 100% level Jesus teaching or any gift for that matter. And quite frankly, if you have that kind of pressure on you, how do you grow at all? Like, everything that I do has to be, like, 100% accurate. How do you even, I mean, how do you grow if that's the, you know what, I'll, t I'll tell you what will happen, you won't. And I think that like one of the things we're trying to do is have a community where you can come and learn and grow and be a practitioner and not just a theoretician. It makes sense? All right, so take appropriate risks, but I've had people take risks that are not appropriate. 
I've had people say things like, God told me that, you know, if I just slap you in the face, that he's going to heal your teeth. And then they slap them in the face and their he- teeth aren't healed. And then guess who has to clean up the mess? And I don't get real happy about that stuff. Right? So I bring correction to the person. I say take appropriate risk. But you don't, uh, somebody read a book by Smith Wigglesworth and he like kicked people and they got healed and stuff. You're not Smith Wigglesworth, all right? Okay? And don't do that on my watch. All right? Go, d- okay, anyways. But there are risks that we want to take and then there are risks that we don't want to take. And I think that we need to be covered. We need to be covered. And if, you're, if you feel like God's telling you to say something, don't just say it if, it if it's tough. Go to the leader that has authority that's going to clean up your mess if you're wrong. Go to them and see what they say. Then you're covered. Does that make sense? Okay, so you have to do that here. Like if people step out of, boundary, out of the boundaries here, then I definitely will correct them. And it's not because I want to be mean and it's not because I like correction. It's because that's what God gives authority for. And I'm not a coward, so I'm going to tell people what they need to hear. That's the whole point of being a shepherd. We have, they have a shepherd's rod. I know there are a lot of people that don't use it, but I use it because I think this should be a safe place for people to grow. You, you know what I've learned about being a charismatic? You don't see people in the charismatic church correct anybody because everybody's so sensitive they can't get corrected. If you can't get corrected, then you shouldn't speak. Right? You shouldn't speak. Don't speak up. Don't step out if you can't get corrected. And I would say to you, learn that it's okay to get corrected and if we are okay with correction, correction's never a difficult thing. It's always a blessing and a benefit because if we're humble, we never get corrected where it's like a smack. It's more of just like a tap. Like, hey, you know, that probably wasn't a good idea. You're right. Thank you for sharing that with me. Rather than, oh, my gosh, I can't, I can't believe they would say that to me. And then we just, people just leave churches or, or they have this inferiority complex. I get stuff wrong all the time. Right? And I blame other people. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> All right, so take appropriate risks, but do it within accountability. And if you feel something goes beyond your boundaries or your discomfort zone, then it's a good idea to get the authority of that place, of that people involved, right? Don't cover yourself. Trust me, it doesn't work out. I've been there before, and uh, it's not a good place to be for, for you. If you have authority, we can talk about that at a different time. Now, be cautious, number H, be cautious in sharing serious prophetic words, Serious prophetic words are correction and direction, all right? Ben, why are you saying this? I'm so glad you asked. Because people, in my experience, like, okay, so we've been doing this for like 12 years. I can't remember exactly, hun, 12, 11 years, something like that. We've had meetings, and people will, I'll give them a microphone, and they'll say, hey, I got a prophetic word, and I'll give them the microphone, and they'll start going off on something like, here's what God's doing in this church, and here's what the Lord wants to do with this, and here's what the Lord wants to do with it. And they'll start sharing vision for the church. Okay, let me give you a picture. If you came to my house, and you sat down at my table for dinner with my wife and children, and you, you looked at my kids, and you started telling my kids, hey, I don't know what mom and dad have going for you, okay? But what you need to do in the morning is you need to get up and you need to scrap the Bible study plan that you're on. And you need to get up and you need to read Proverbs every day. I mean, mom and dad are at the table and my guests just sideswiped me and my wife in the direction that we're setting for our house. And they just literally start telling my kids what they're going to do. How many of you think I would be a happy dad? How many of you think that's even respectful? What could be good is if that person felt or thought something, we go into the living room and they go, hey, you ever thought about doing this with your kids? 
right? What did they do? They went to the authority and they suggested something so that that person can implement the vision and the direction. Mom and dad can implement the direction of the home. If we don't function in church like that, we're, we're going to be out of order. I, I've watched people get up and they start giving new vision to the church. So I'm a pastor at this church, and every time somebody does that, I'm like, does that person even think about how we go away for two weeks a year and fast and pray and seek the face of God for the church and the direction and the vision of this house? I mean, is that even something that computes in their mind? Like, hey, there might be people that are paying a price to seek God for this church, and you just get a whim during worship. Like, oh, during worship, I just felt so good, and here's what God dropped on me, and I don't have to fast and pray or anything. I just feel like God's really going to grow us and call us to this. We just need to start this tomorrow. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it shouldn't be that easy. All right, anybody with me on that? That makes sense at all? So I always tell people, like, listen, you need to be cautious when you feel like you have a directional word. If you don't have the authority to give that word, even when I get a directional word, I go through a process before I share that word from the front to our people at our church. I don't just get up on a whim and go, during worship, God gave me a directional shifting word for all of our people. And it just I'm just going to share it with you today. I want words from the Lord to bear fruit. These are things, that if they're from the Lord, we pray over this stuff. We fast over this stuff. We seek God for confirmation for these things. We're trying to see a city change. We're, we're trying to see a region impacted. So these words got to mean more than just what happens during a worship service or how I felt this whimsical thing, it's got to be more than that, you know, direction. Or if you have a correctional word, if you get into groups and you have like this really difficult word for the person that you're praying for, like this really correctional word, I would highly strongly suggest you to restrain yourself. God does give words like that at times, but if you're not used to that, it's my experience that God gives correctional words through authority and relationship. Because that you don't need necessarily revelation for. In the New Testament, you look at Matthew chapter 18, and it's like, hey, if somebody does something to you, you come to them, you go, you go to them, and you make it right. And if it can't be right, then you bring the church. That's what I believe New Testament is all about. It's not about necessarily always getting these correctional words. Now, I would say if you're in authority, the Lord will give that more to you. Like for me, God will give me those words for my house. God will give me those words for my kids. Sometimes the Lord will speak to my wife and I for our kids about very difficult things that they're going through. I remember when the kids were in, our older boys were in high school, and they used to come home. And I'd say, meet me in the office. And they knew God was going to rat them out. And he often did. That's amazing. We thank God for that. Not all the time, but I never let them believe that I didn't know everything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, if God gives you a prophetic word over your children, if you don't have them when you do, and you're right and you nail them right between the eyes, you milk that thing for all it's worth. <laughs> you just milk it for all it's worth. You're like, yeah. You know, I pray every day too. You know that, right? You know, I seek God every day for my children, of which you are now one. That's right. You just milk that thing. You know what I'm saying? You just let them know you're a man or woman of God. You let them know that. And God will rat you out any day of the week. Because he loves you. He loves you. So do I. Now go to your room. <laughs> For a long time. I'm going to pray about how long. <laughs> I'm not even sure. He didn't give me that word yet. I'm going to have to seek him for a week on that one. At least. All right. Ask questions while you minister prophetically. That's the last one. I know we're getting through some. I told you it's going to be a lot of information. But 
I don't know why it is that when we prophesy, like, everything has to be supernatural. Like, we can't ask people questions. I watch people do this, and this is like, I swear, where people really miss, miss the boat. It's like everything's got to be supernatural. You get a word from the Lord, and then it's like you need to have, like, all of the details prophetically, too. Because I saw somebody else do it, so I've got to do it, too. If God gives you the word, just say, hey, do you have a sister? Hey, do you have a brother? Hey, is somebody that you love in the hospital? It just saves a lot of time. Like, it doesn't matter if everything is supernatural. That's not the point, is to wow people by the supernatural revelation that you have. The point is to get down to the thing that God is revealing so that we can pray towards what God wants to do. Right? It's kind of like when I teach words of knowledge. Like God will give a razor sharp word of knowledge about something someone was going through or a thing that happened in their past. And it'd be like Jesus in John chapter 4 with the woman at the, at the well. Like, you know, just giving uh, the word. Like the, the word of knowledge. Like you've had five husbands and the man that you're with right now is, is not your husband. It's like, wow, I perceive that you're a prophet. Or like this is something that's wrong with your back. Like you've had five degenerated di discs in your back. Like, wow, how could you know that? And then we get, like, so enamored with the revelation of the word of knowledge that we don't do anything with it. Like, the point of God revealing something is so that we can begin to pray into what he's revealing and why he revealed it in the first place. But I just have watched how we just get enamored with the first part and we never use the word for what God is revealing it for in the, in the first place. It's important that we press beyond, beyond that. So asking questions is Vital, it's important. If you're ministering to people, ask questions. If you have a sense, ask them about it. Hey, are you going, you, are you in school right now? Yeah, I am. And this is, is this a, like a difficult time? Something about has fallen through? Your finances fall through? Have, have they fallen through? Yeah, they, they have. Yeah, I just, I just have a sense that the Lord's going to provide. Can we pray over that? See how powerful that is? They're not going to remember that you didn't perfectly say, well, God showed me that and he showed me that too. And he's going to provide. I'm telling you right now, he's going to provide for you every dollar that you need, every penny that you need. I mean, we don't, just don't have to do that. I, I, I don't think that it matters. I think what matters is we get to the point and then we minister prophetically and we pray over, yep, see, see, he knows what's up. He's upset that you guys aren't getting what I'm saying. No, I'm just kidding. I want you to get it. All right, so the last part is receiving prophetic words. I'm just going to skip over this like real quickly, okay? I have to. Uh, I get a lot of questions about um, when it comes to like making mistakes in the prophetic. I, I probably more than anything else when it comes to prophecy. What about making mistakes and um, what do we do? How do we handle that? I think a lot of it kind of comes back to how we receive prophetic words. Like, if we receive prophetic words whimsically or casually, or we're not willing to, like, really kind of pray and consider those words, we just, I mean, we shouldn't be standing in line for every prophetic person, for every prophetic, every prophetic conference, for every prophetic word. It's like with a sign that says, pick me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pick me. <laughs> I mean, it's, it shouldn't be like our pursuit. Our pursuit is not to get a prophetic word from someone. That's not what we're trying to do. I, I know people that will go from conference to conference, from place to place. I just want to get a prophetic word. There might be a time, there might be a season where you're seeking God and that confirmation is powerful and you want that, you desire that. That's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But it shouldn't be like this normal flow of your life. I need a prophetic word about that. I need a prophetic word about that. No, we all just need to seek God, okay? But we, I think we need teaching on how to receive prophetic words when they're given to us personally. 
1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect comes, which is the second coming of Christ, the partial will be done away. Prophetic words must be tested and weighed because they're only in part. And Paul says that as you keep going in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. He says, two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Why should they weigh carefully what is said? Because it's possible that it's off. So we test the word to see what is from God and, and if something, in fact, is just from that person or at times worse because they had false prophets coming through and they needed to discern through what was being said. Now, can I say this to you? Uh, being skeptical is not a fruit of the Spirit. Do you, you, okay. When somebody prophesies, if your first inclination is, eh, I don't really know about that. That's not really usually healthy. I, I think discernment is great, but skepticism actually will stop you where you are. I, I'm telling you the truth. It will keep you seeing nothing happening in your life. Here's what Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, and they were like not interested in listening to prophetic anymore because people were coming through their church saying that Jesus had already returned, and so they pretty much just shut it off entirely. In verse 19, he says, Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. The purpose of discerning through prophetic words is to hold on to, it's to cling to what is good. We're trying to eat the meat and spit out the bones. That's a modern way of saying what he's saying. Examine everything carefully so that you can find what is good. We're looking for the good. You will have to filter through some stuff. Sometimes it's just style. Like if somebody gets up in here and says, Yay, oh my children, thus saith the Lord unto thee, and they start doing that, that's just a style. But if we turn off, the rest of the words that they say could be from the Lord. Just because that little old lady says it in a weird way doesn't mean that she isn't carrying something from the Lord. We've got to be careful, right? In the, old, in the Old Testament, God used a donkey to speak. I don't even know how that happened. I've already said more than I understand. Balaam's donkey like pr prophesied to him or spoke out to him. It's awesome. But the point of discerning through words is not because words are wrong or um, it's because God needs us to be skeptical. It's because there's something important about discerning through that processing that person's giving. We recognize they prophesy in part. A lot of times people will go past the word and then they add stuff to it. All right, they add stuff to it, and we've got to be good at discerning. And a lot of times people will say to me, well, in 14, 1 Corinthians 14, you know, they had two people get up and share, and uh, that was biblical order. That's the way that they did it. Well, okay, I don't, I don't have time to establish this. Paul wrote a letter to a church that was exercising spiritual gifts. They were doing it wrongly, so he gave them order. It'd be like if my kids were doing something in the kitchen and clearly they're making a mess, and so I have to give them all these rules so that they don't make a mess. But if my kids are 8 and 10, that's fine, but if my kids are 25 and 30, me giving them that, those rules hopefully isn't something that I have to do because they're more mature. Why did Paul give them order in the church in Corinth? 
That wasn't for the biblical model for all of us that we can only have two or we can only have three and this is the way that it's supposed to be forever and ever. That wasn't the way he was saying it for all of the churches. He was telling that church because they were just getting it wrong all over the place. I'm going to tell you exactly how you need to do it because you guys are making mistakes and you don't know what you're doing. I'm going to give you rules because you're acting foolishly. So I'm going to put order to the things of the spirit because you don't have maturity and I need to do this to you. Right? That's why he would give specific things, different things to each church. You see like in 1 Corinthians 14, he says pursue the gifts, and he says keep going after them, but do them in order. In, Thess- in Thessalonians, he says don't quench the spirit, don't put out the spirit's fire, examine words, and, s- and take the good from it. He gives different words to different churches. Right? So we need to know where we are, and we need to know who we are. Some of us need to hear the word, you need to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and some of us need to hear a different word. We, ne- we need to hear what he said to the Thessalonians. It's really important. The word's the word to all of us, but it's vital to understand context, and you'd have to go through our first class called How to Study the Bible if you want more about that.